And that's right. You know what time it is, as we are live, back in action, blasting through your speakers on Anchor Radio. This is the third and three podcast presented by The Real Deal, Group of Sports, and with special thanks to the Sports Column. You can find our show anywhere and everywhere you get your podcast. Today is Sunday, which means the third and three squad are back, baby. We're talking football with some fun topics for you guys to play along with. However, we also will hit on a very serious topic whose content has swept through the nation, and I'm not talking about the coronavirus. We will get to that. But before we get to our topics of the day, let me introduce the team. Ladies first, as the first lady of sports podcasts is in the house. Bringing the laughs and the logic, Nikki. What's up, baby? I like that. The first lady of sports podcasts. You're damn right. Now we're good. Jersey's good. Got a beach day in yesterday. A little sunburn, but that's okay. I needed a mental day, but we're good. <laughs> Hanging in. All right. I like to hear it. I like to hear it. That's my girl. All right, Damien, my boy. Of course, my man, he's been pumping out a lot of serious stuff, great stuff on Twitter and different outlets, asking a lot of cool, fun football scenarios. Damien, I've been enjoying your tweets a lot lately, bro. I really have. It's been great. And because of such a huge response that you got, we decided to make a part of today's show. So, Damien, good Sunday, brother. Hey, man. Yeah, I'm happy that you know people are enjoying the content. And, of course, it's going to be even better with involving you guys with it because you got football knowledge. So I'm really looking forward to this episode. And, as always, looking forward to the first lady of podcasting and the QB <laughs> of the show, Jason, doing everything. Ah, man. Well, we can't do it without the coach, Damien. You run the whole show, baby. We can't do it without you, man. <laughs> sure. You know it. Nobody can pronounce names like Damien, man. Come on now. You all know yeah. that. <laughs> Nothing, not a damn thing. Get me out the thesaurus, baby. Shoot, can't handle it. Uh, yeah, before we get into the topics, I got to ask you guys real quick because everybody's been watching like crazy. And I just started watching The Last OG with Tracy Morgan. Have you guys seen that? Yeah, I have seen that. It's freaking hysterical. It's hysterical. Yeah. Oh my God, what a great show, right? Nikki. You- yeah, no, it's, it's really funny. And it also, it does a good job of going back and forth between being funny and also touching on serious subjects. Yes. I like yes. I totally agree with you. I, I fell in love with that show. I'm, I'm like almost done with it. I started watching it two two days ago. I love it. Nikki, you got to get in on that. It's so great. It I even brings. I, I, I get so sad when I binge and then it's over. Like I just finished Homeland, which is oh. like one of my all time favorite, favorite shows. And I just finished Little Fires Everywhere on Hulu, so now I'm sad. Now i got to find something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, go for that. If you want to laugh, that will make you laugh. I promise you. I promise you. I think you. a laugh would be good. Oh, yeah. We, we all need it. That's for sure. That's for sure. And Tracy Morgan got me laughing my ass off right now. He's doing a great job. Guy's so funny. Oh, man. All right, guys. Listen, 33 Podcasts. We got Nikki Damien and me, Jason Fierman. We're in the house. Listen, Twitter handles. Hit us up. I'm at Sports Profit One. That's the number one. Nikki Nick is at N I K K I N I C nine three eight four. And of course, my man Damien at the Real Deal W D A. The topics for today: We're going to get into last dance with Michael Jordan. We're going to do Mount Rushmore NFL style, and the way we're going to break it down, guys. Damien's great idea. We're going to do quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. D-line, linebacker, D-back. So we're going to have four for each in our Mount Rushmore. I can't wait to hear what my, my partner's got to say over here. We're going to continue with our obnoxious players segment. That's going to be a lot of fun. Talk a little Dak Prescott and throwing a little caveat at the end. Which rookie receiver may have the best season 
Uh, we'll see. We'll see if we get to that. But we're going to start on a serious note, guys, like we talked about. Um, it just can't be ignored. And obviously, everybody's talking about it. And it's a huge deal. And it's not the coronavirus, even though that is a huge deal. But what happened with George Floyd? And I'm going to throw it over to you guys first. Anybody who has a heart know that that was one of the most disgusting things that anybody can ever see. And for, I'm just going to say it, for, I guess, white people who don't live in black people's shoes cannot understand. And when we hear things like this, the police are out to get this and the other thing, it's a real thing. And it's not just because of what happened with George Floyd. It's been going on for a long time. And the only solution I had, and I'm ready to kick it to you guys that I can think of right away, is to make sure we have more black officers in each precinct to even educate the white officers as to what, you know, young black youth may be thinking or may be doing at the time and and stuff like that. So I'm looking for solutions. And this was just as brutal as can be. Damien, I want to throw it over to you first. There's so many things I want to say, but Damien, you're a black man. And I, I can't imagine Again, just seeing something like this and you being empathetic toward Mr. Floyd. Please, please talk to me, brother, because this is very disturbing. Yeah, no, it's definitely disturbing. For me, it it hits home, as you mentioned, harder, because that could be me on the ground with a knee in my neck Mm -hmm. saying that I can't breathe. And it's, you mentioned solutions and I was listening to another podcast a Joe Button podcast and he said something that was very powerful right he's 40 years old so he's not old by any means and he said that he realized that this will not be fixed during his lifetime Mm. that is a powerful statement yeah and it's something that you know when he said it you're like man you know he's somebody you know 40 years old he's still got 40 50 60 years left you know and but when you think about it, our grandparents, great grandparents have all been fighting and have now passed away or are very elderly and have not seen this change. And sometimes change can be progress can be disguised as big change, right? Because what my grandparents dealt with, with, you know, policemen holding them down and what my parents dealt with, with, you know, just outright racism is not to that level now, but now it happens in a way where it's more covered up. Right. And when it happens in a way that is overt, like this one, you still have people not getting punished. Um, for me, this one, I want to start with why they were called. So he was accused of forgery, right? It's the, there's been different stories. Either it was he was accused of using a fake check or a, a counterfeit bill to pay for something. So that in itself is not a violent crime. Now, I don't know if he did it or did not do it, but that in itself is not a violent crime. Right. So your mindset as an officer going into that situation should be very calm, should be, okay, he's been accused of using a counterfeit bill. Let's go check it out, see if it is, see if it isn't, find some information. And honestly, 
do you even detain someone in that situation for that type of crime? Now, it's different if someone calls you and says, oh, this guy's armed, we're scared for our lives, he might shoot any minute. Your mindset is different going into that situation. You might think, okay, you might have to use deadly force in this situation. When it comes to a crime like this, you go in, observe the situation, and go from there. The fact that it went from this guy may have used a counterfeit bill or check to this man dying, being murdered, is something that doesn't make sense and will never make sense. It doesn't. And it's something that, for me, I've been racially profiled before, and thank God it's never escalated. But you already know, as a black man, especially a black man who has any size to him, that people may view you as dangerous mm-hmm. just off the fact that you look a certain way. Right, right. And yet, when you go into a situation like this with a non-violent crime that ends in murder, Justice mm. has to be served. Mm. That's the, when you talk about solutions, that's the big thing. The consequences for these actions has to be major. Major. That is the operative oh. word is major. And the, the ones that are were surrounding him not saying a word, they deserve punishment as well. Maybe not as much as him, but whatever. They deserve punishment. And it, it, you're hitting on so many things. I don't watch America's Got Talent, but I happened to watch it a few days ago. And there was this black gentleman who was incarcerated for 37 years falsely accused back in 1982. And the only way that he finally got acquitted after 37 years was because of a DNA sample. When he was in court, the fingerprints did not match. He had three people say where he was, uh, you know, witnesses as to where he was during the crime where he was nowhere near, nothing matched, but they had to pin it on somebody and they pinned it on a black man. That's what happened. This poor man served 37 years and he finally, God bless, he finally got out. But you're taking a half a life away because there are too many racist cops. And I'm saying it right now. There are. And the gentleman, the, I don't even want to call him a gentleman. The cop who did that. The uh, animal. Animal. Did. Yes. Animal, the Nikki. Animal. Go, Nikki, take it away. Animal. You nailed it. Keep going. No, he, he is an animal. Listen, I, I can't follow, you know, I, I am a... 30-some white woman, so, you know, I have different experience with cops, um, but watching that, I was horrified, disgusted, and it, you just kind of are like, like you said, Damien, how do we get from A to Z here? How did it escalate so quickly, and how do those other cops stand by and watch this animal be just a savage, disgusting human being? Like, we have to do better as human beings. I don't care what color you are. We all need to do better. We're all human. We are all human. And the yeah. reg- the disregard for human life is amazing. The gentleman is on the ground. I can not breathe. I, eight minutes with the knee on his neck. We can. I don't want to keep regurgitating all that. But for God's sake, you have to understand at some point. And that guy was playing he thought hero cop. But there's, again, like you said, Damien, there's no reason to even approach him with that sort of with that sort of anger or whatever you want to call it. Because, again, you, it wasn't a violent crime that the man committed. And to have him whipped out of his car and on the ground and all that, it didn't have to go like that. There was no threat. There was no threat, Damien. So, again, it just shows these abusive white police officers 
that take advantage. And that's why I believe we need more black officers in each precinct to school them. I really believe that. Do you think that would possibly work, Damien? Is that part of a solution? I'm not sure. It would be part of a solution, definitely, to have more minorities, not just black, just, you know, minorities Minor- sure. Sure. to be a part of the police force because they would be able to honestly just be a translator of what certain people are thinking in certain situations. There'll be times where it could be just an honest misunderstanding where a white officer comes into a situation and thinks that something's happening and the black officer's like, oh no, this is just this. And there's nothing going on here. So that definitely can be a major help. But also, like I said, it has to be consequences. There's been too many times where we've seen instances like this on video. The proof is there in our faces. And then the person gets off. And it goes beyond just police. You know, with George uh, George Zimmerman, you know, he was on the neighborhood watch when he killed Trayvon Martin. And got off. Right. Right. Even though he asked the police officer, should he approach Trayvon Martin? Police officer told him no, do not approach. Because he thought that Trayvon Martin looked quote unquote suspicious because he had a hood on, walking away from the store. And all he did was go in there to buy Skittles and iced tea. And ends up losing his life because George Zimmerman thought he was trying to be a hero. When the interaction should have never happened. That's exactly right. It's it's just down to people. Viewing people as people and not just, oh, this guy's black, he must be doing something wrong. Right. Like, in the times where I've been racially profiled, it's simply because of the color of my skin, right? Because on paper, I'm a quote-unquote A-plus citizen, right? No criminal record. Right. Uh, I'm a veteran. I served in the Navy. So on paper, I'm an A-plus citizen. But they don't know that I'm a veteran who served in the Navy when mm-hmm. they see me. Mm-hmm. They just see a black man. So when I get pulled over... And the person that kind of asked me is, do I have any weapons in the car? <laughs> Unbelievable. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not because they saw something that they thought could be a weapon in the car, because they saw the color of my skin. That's right. It's true, because I'll tell you right now, I've been pulled over a billion times, and not once has that ever been asked to me. And that's, that's the absolute truth, not once. And then there's the other side of it where it started with peaceful protests, and I'm all about that. But then we saw what happened with Minneapolis and then Atlanta and others, other cities that have happened last night. Um, I'm forgetting a few off the top of my head. Protests, I'm all about peaceful protests. And that's what this was about with George Floyd. But when it gets to the point where you're burning down your own city, I get the frustration and things like that. But I, I, I can't. Nikki, can you help me co- try to comprehend why? And again, I get it. It's anger and they're lashing out and they should be because they need justice. Like Damien has said that 15 times already. And he's 100 percent right. It's about justice. And it's sometimes you can't even justify. You can't justify the situation that had just happened. But justice of some sort needs to come around. But when I'm looking at the news, you know, over the past few days and people destroying the city, somehow to me, Damien and Nikki, it turns to be less about George Floyd and more about looting and stealing after like the second day. So I'm not understanding the correlation between that. Can Nikki, maybe you can help me first and then go to Damien. I wish I had the answer to that. I mean, just burning down your community, your city, 
including stealing. And like you guys said, I get it. The frustration, I, I, I can't even imagine it. And that's but white and black alike. Move, but are we moving the conversation forward? Is that helping us progress to more peaceful, you know, tactics going forward? Is that, I mean, I look on Twitter and I see people are looting a Gucci store. What is that doing? What is that doing for anybody? That's my point. That's re- and again, I want to make it very clear that the protesters are black and white. They're both, so it's oh, not. Yes. There's yeah. all types of people yes. there. So I just don't know how you move forward. How do you move the conversation forward? How does that get you to a solution? How do you get any closer to a solution if you're just burning down your community and your city? It, the reason why it's so difficult, Nikki, is because there's always going to be racism in this country, and that's just unfortunately not going to go away. And you know what? If you are a racist, shame on you. But you know what? Please keep your thoughts to yourself and your actions to yourself. And I'm going to tell you, it's a different situation. I'm Jewish. Again, it's not a race. It's a religion. I don't necessarily follow the religion, but I can remember when I was younger, most of my friends were, you know, Christian or Catholic. And, you know, I'd get a little jab here and there and stuff like that. But that is no comparison to what's happening here. You know, you can talk about the Jewish people in person and, and, uh, you know, but slavery and everything like that going back thousands of years ago or even going back to the mid uh, 20th century. So I can relate in that way. But again, Damien, you say that you know, a cop comes over to you, pulls you over. Let's say you ran a stop sign or something. Do you have a weapon in your car? Amazing. That's the first question they ask when all they're asking me is, sir, I need your license. License and registration. That's it. Yeah. So it's unfair, Damien. Oh, you're married. I mean, like I said, right. uh, I think we all have different experiences with law enforcement, but yeah, no, I, I, we wear a hoodie. Nobody's going to look at us like we're, you know, a suspect. It's unfortunate. It really is. Damien, I'd love to hear your closing thoughts on this. Uh, anything you want to say before we start to try to brighten up the show a bit? Yeah, as far as for the protests, I do agree that I hate to see it turn into the burning down of buildings and property. I really hate it for the small business owners because for them, when their business, their restaurant, their store gets burned down, it's something that could take a lifetime to recover from. So I really hate to see that. You know, Target's going to be fine, right? Even though it's not good, Target's will, will be okay. The employees will be taken care of. Right. Um, for me, I, I understand the frustration because when we, we've done a peaceful protest, like I mentioned earlier, for years upon years upon years. And it seems like those protests have not got the results that we need. So sometimes people feel like, oh, we have to take this to a step that is going to make people very, very uncomfortable. So I get the frustration, but I also hate the fact that innocent business owners get hurt in the process. Right. Um, for me, and plus you, you hate to see people take advantage of it. The people who are trying to, you know, rob the Gucci stores and Louis Vuitton, those people are just taking advantage, trying to get some expensive shoes so they can look good in the club. That's correct. I, I really hate to see that. Me too. Me too. Again, it, it, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Keep going. For the people who are really out there trying to make a change, please continue to do so and just find a way to make it uncomfortable without being violent, right? I thought that what Colin Kaepernick did with kneeling during the National Anthem was perfect because it right. made people uncomfortable. Think about how powerful that is. We're still talking about it, right? That's how, 
I'm saying that's how powerful that is without doing anything except for kneeling. Look at the statement that he made. Exactly right. That's a great point. And look yes. at the statement the NFL released, what, yesterday? Daily and a dollar short, you know? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, sick. Just- I, I agree with that, Nikki. It definitely was. It was his fault on deaf ears after you, the way we see that you treated how it happened and all things happened with that situation. So I think that what Colin Kaepernick did was perfect as far as knowing their national anthem and bringing that attention and making people uncomfortable enough to where it brought more attention to the situation. But with this, we see that more is needed. And not only do we need more black police officers, we need more black lawyers, judges, minority judges, officials who can make laws to be able to really even a playing field when it comes to situations so that justice can be served. And if we see this guy, this punk who did this, get life in prison, that will really make the next racist cop hesitate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so hopefully it's not far from over. He got arrested and charged. He only got charged with third degree and manslaughter. So it's far from over. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that I thought he should have got charged with premeditated murder because, like I said, the case, it wasn't a situation where violence was needed at all. At all. So it's completely far from over. But I want to thank you and Nikki for, you know, letting me vent a little bit on this. And it's something that hopefully we get to see justice. And hopefully, and hopefully we see it quickly because people's frustrations are just getting even worse. You know, cities mm-hmm. all across the United States and even London, I saw this morning, are getting damaged because of protests and people's anger. So hopefully we get a speedy trial and we get a trial where we see true justice for George Floyd's family and against all those officers, not just the one who had his knee on his neck, but the other ones who had their knees in his back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Something that's needed and hopefully it can move forward. And hopefully, you know, like I said earlier, Joe Button wasn't correct in saying that this won't change during his lifetime, but I can see why he feels that way. Yeah, I, I certainly can understand. You know, sometimes every time we think we're making a little bit of progress, something does happen. So I, I, I really get it. And it's a tough Damien. Thank you and Nikki both for sharing your thoughts on that. This is a very hard topic for me. And I have a lot of uh, African-American friends and it, it's really rough. And I just try to put myself in their shoes and understand. And it's it's really tough, except just to listen to them. So um, listen, everybody listening, I really hope you got something out of that. Again, let, let's just come together and be humans together, regardless of the color of your skin. Let's do it. I don't want to see anything bad happen between uh, black people and white people. God forbid. The last thing I need is a freaking another civil war. God forbid. I'm not even trying to make a joke over here. We need to really just be people together and move on. And speaking of moving on, no easy transition. But let's get to the Mount Rushmore over here before we hit commercial break, guys. All right. So, Damian, great idea out of you with the quarterbacks, the running backs, wide receivers, uh, and the defense as well. You want to start with the quarterbacks, Damian? Yeah, you know, everything starts to answer the quarterback. Yeah, I guess it does, right? <laughs> Damian, you you want to take it first, Damian, and then uh, we'll go to Nikki and me? Yeah, we can do that. All right, let's rock. The idea of the quarterback, Mount Rushmore, is to pick the four quarterbacks who would represent – Mount Rushmore, just like the presidents on the actual mountain, right? Love it. So for me, the four quarterbacks I picked, I picked Peyton Manning because he's the best I've ever seen play a position. Mm. A lot of great quarterbacks master their system. Peyton Manning was the system. Yes, he was. In the Colts system, and we saw that when he went to Denver, that he was 
first time he set all these crazy records and was able to get two Super Bowls. Even though he was carried to that second one, I will admit that he was just a corpse of himself by that point. <laughs> but he's somebody who, when you look at the quarterback position and the audibles and the way he played from the mental side, along with the physical side, Peyton Manning is the best I've seen do it. Um, second, I have to go with Tom Brady. I'm not a, the biggest Brady fan, but I have to give respect to what he's been able to do, the accolades, the longevity. Um, he's also had some amazing years. When he's had weapons, you've seen what he's capable of, like we had Randy Moss, and he went crazy that year. And they oh, yeah. records. He's somebody who we're going to see now with Tampa Bay, the difference in him not being in that structure of the Patriots, but he's still somebody who you have to give respect to, you know, other quarterbacks would have been successful, successful with New England, but not six Super Bowls. So you have to give time for that respect. Um, third, I have to have Joe, Joe Montana. When you think about greatness in the playoffs, you think Joe Montana. Absolutely. Um, Joe Montana was somebody who you know, I think his playoff stats are still the best when it comes to efficiency and his touchdown to interception ratio over his playoff career. He did have. You know, a great team around him, the greatest wide receiver of all time in Jerry Rice. So, of course, we will get to when we do the wide receiver, Mount Rushmore. Mount <laughs> yeah, Rushmore is my. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll definitely get there. But um, for him, it's something that Joe Montana, you have to give respect to his clutch ability and what he was able to do during his career. And his accuracy numbers during that time, when football is a lot different than it is now, is something that you have to give respect to. And four, people may say this is a homer pick. If you know me, you know I'm a Saints fan. But I'm going with Drew Brees. Oh, goodness. Oh, boy, you guys. So, yeah, I had to go with Drew Brees as my fourth pick. If you think about Drew Brees, him, and along with Sean Payton, they changed the perception of a whole franchise. Pre-Sean Payton and Drew Brees, the Saints were thought of as a joke, right? They were the ain't. True. And they had one playoff victory in their history of the franchise. So the franchise has been around since the 60s. They had one playoff victory prior to 2006 when Drew Brees came along. And nice. now we have a Super Bowl, we have several playoff victories, and also several playoff tragedies as well. But that's all because of this team becoming one of those teams that is respected and expected to do well in the playoffs. Um, Drew Brees is also the most accurate quarterback of all time for the numbers and the most prolific as the most passing yards of all time. So when you look at the record books, you have to involve Drew Brees in the Mount Rushmore, in my opinion. So for me, it's Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, and Drew Brees on my quarterback, Mount Rushmore. Drew Brees, hashtag stat compiler. No, I'm kidding. He's fantastic. I'm just messing. <laughs> <laughs> just messing. Now, all right. Pretty good list. Pretty good list. I can dig it. Hey, you're right. Brees leads in just about every category now after Peyton Manning left. Nikki, what do you got? Basically the same list. So damn copycat. Shared, <laughs> I have what? No, I got the sheriff, Peyton Manning, of course. Tom, terrific. You know, not the <laughs> biggest fan, but um, you know, the champ, Montana, and then I put the workhorse Elway in there. Oh, Drew Brees. <laughs> no, Nikki, that's wonderful. I have the same one as you. I got Brady, Montana, Peyton, and Elway. Elway's the best quarterback that ever lived, in my opinion. He's the best. Oh. Way to go, Nikki. Nikki's spitting out the real knowledge right now. I love it. She went Elway. Yes. That. But in, but in the 
but I get it with Drew Brees. And I did a little, well, I went rogue a little bit here throughout this whole Mount Rushmore. And so yesterday I was compiling, like, uh, a Mount Rushmore of coaches, and Sean Payton is on my Mount Rushmore. So That's pretty uh, fair. That, that's uh, kind of fair. Yeah, but basically for what you said, I mean, did they not completely turn that franchise around? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that says a lot. You're right. You really are. You're 100. It's kind of like what Jimmy Johnson did with the Dallas Cowboys. No doubt about it. Very good. All right. I like these answers. All right. Before we get into uh, the wide receivers and the running backs, we're going to take a really quick break. We're going to come right back and we're going to get into all this. So, yeah, Elway, baby. I love how you put that up there. Look, real quick. Three Super Bowls in the 80s. Yeah, they got demolished, but he had no help whatsoever. And then finally, we got Terrell Davis and uh, defense in the 90s went back to back. John Elway, that's my boy right there. I love it. Good job, Nikki. Way to go. <laughs> All right. Third and three. Back in a minute. All right, guys. We're live back here on third and three. Nikki, Damien, and me, the third and three podcast presented by Rufus Sports, of course, by the real deal. Damien Adams over here. And, of course, a special shout out to the sports column. We've been talking about some very deep, interesting stuff, especially with George Floyd getting our feelings out. Uh, we talked about that a lot in the first segment. We started doing our Mount Rushmore of the quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs. We did our quarterbacks. Nikki is a genius because she said Elway like me. God bless her. So we both know what we're talking about over I here. Think, thank you. I've been called a genius the first lady. That's right. I, I like it. Know who you are. Get the tiara on, girl. Get that tiara on. You're the princess. You're the queen. All right. <laughs> All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to finish up with our Mount Rushmore. And then we're going to jump into some obnoxiousness. We did obnoxious uh, fan bases last week. Now we're going to go into actually individual players. So uh, let's finish the Mount Rushmore over here. We're on running backs right now. Let me start this one, guys. And I think a lot of us are going to have very similar three. The fourth one, I'm very interested to find out. I think most of us may have Jim Brown. I do. I got Walter Payton. I got Barry Sanders. And the last one I put may throw you for a loop. But if you saw the man play football... O.J. Simpson was as good as it got. That's my yeah. top four. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Throwing the zingers at us. Yep. I had I had Falk. <laughs> I had Marshall Falk and uh, and Ladainian Tomlinson in parentheses because they're my favorite running backs. But if we're going pure right there. That's okay. I'll, I'll 2B the list because that's mine. <laughs> All right. Good. <laughs> I'll say. All right. So, Nikki, you take it then. No, I had, um, let me see if I get my list here. Walter Payton, Barry Sanders. Damian Thomason, and then Marshall Fox slash AP, because I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Where okay. would you go with that one? Damian, what that's, do you think? That's a really tough choice. Tough. Uh, I know. That is but tough. Marshall Fox was so versatile, I would go with Marshall Fox over AP just slightly. Me yeah. too. Me too. I would. And AP was as good as anybody running the ball on the ground. No doubt about it. But his pass-catching pass skills were not that. But, uh, yeah, an excellent runner, no doubt. So who, who do you got, Damian? Who's your Matt Rushmore? So I went with Jim Brown. I feel like you have to have him in there. And athletically today, I feel like he would fit right in. Oh, hell yeah. And what he was, yeah, what he was doing back then was just crazy. He never had a bad year. Never. Like, looking back at his career, never had a bad year. So you have to put him in there. Barry Sanders is the best I've ever seen. Yep. Somebody, like, if he continued to play, I think he would have the rushing record. Oh, no doubt. Somebody, yeah, he's, his, man, his skills, being able to shoot people out their shoes, playing with Detroit, who wasn't, you know, the best team to play with, and being able to have his success, got to have him there. Third, I put Emmitt Smith. Emmitt Smith isn't in my top four talent-wise, but 
But you think about his consistency and longevity and the fact that he holds a record that will never be broken. With the way football is played now, no one's ever going to get close to mm-hmm. his record for all-time running yards. So I have to put him on the Mount Rushmore to represent running backs. And you know what's funny, Damian, real quick? Everybody calls yeah. him overrated, which is hysterical to me because they just think that he had a great offensive line and all that and played on a great team. You, you watch this guy run with a broken freaking arm against the Giants, rushing for 156 yards. Give me a break. You're absolutely right. Yeah, no, exactly. Like you, had, he did have the great stuff as a line, but no one, not there's only a few running backs who will be able to take advantage of that to the point where they are the all-time leading rushers in history. So it definitely takes a lot of talent to do that. And for my fourth guy, I went with Ladainian Tomlinson. Nice. The combination of running, pass, and even throwing the ball. Sometimes I went with him. It was very tough. I had to not put Walter Payton in there. That was tougher for me. And Marshall Falk were the ones who I really like. All right. It's hard to not have those guys on there. All right, nice. We mix it up a little bit. You can come to my mountain, Damien, because they're there. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That'd be great. You have two faces right next to Walter Payton and Barry Sanders. That'd be perfect. I love it. That's a perfect Mount Rushmore. (laughs) All right, let's hit the wide receivers. Uh, Shoot, I know two of them are going to be in all our lists right now. Uh, I'll kick it off real quick. Jerry Rice, the GOAT, no doubt about it. One of my favorite players of all time, being a Niner fan. Randy Moss, not my favorite player, but you can't deny his ability. Same goes for T.O. I can't stand that guy. Me and George Teague, I told you guys, I had Teague on last week. We were busting on T.O. all the whole time, man. (laughs) Forget about it. When he knocked his butt off the star in Dallas, man, we had a great time talking about it. But there's no denying, when that man had the ball in his hands after a catch, he was like a running back. You could not stop him. So I got T.O., I got Moss, I got Rice, and I got the playmaker, Michael Irvin. That's where I went with that. Michael Irvin doesn't get talked about enough in these upper tier guys, maybe because his career got shortened a little bit with that neck injury in Philadelphia where those idiot jerks were cheering him on for being hurt on the middle of the freaking field. That may be sick. But what Irvin did, especially being the leader of the Dallas Cowboys during their championship run, that guy's got my vote on the Mount Rushmore, man. Damien, what you got? That's a good four. It's hard to argue against those four. Uh, I went with Jerry Rice. I feel like he's automatic. His stats, what he was able to do in winning time, just phenomenal. Um, Randy Moss, most athletic wide receiver of all time, in my opinion. Just that's what he was able to do and having the times where he admitted he wasn't even trying. The fact that he right. could be successful in the NFL and go half speed, it's just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The fact that he was able to compile the stats he was able to compile during his career. And you got to give him props for being to come back from a broken leg and play his, his behind off the Super Bowl. Absolutely. In Philadelphia. So you just got to give props where it's due. If my fourth guy, I went with Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, nice. That, yeah. <laughs> the great minds think alike, guys. There you go. Oh my God! Is that real? Is that a true stat? Yeah. Wow. He has more career tackles than more than he has drop passes. That's absolutely just. Oh my crazy. gosh! What? That's an amazing yeah. stat. Wow. I didn't see that coming. That's good. Ah, very good. Okay, maybe I might have to defer over here. Damn, Larry Fitz. 
All right, Nikki. Yeah. We know we know you got Fitzy on there. Who else you got? The same one is uh, right, the same, one the same I, exact one. All right, I dig it. I dig it. Randy Moss, TL. He's also on my most obnoxious. Yeah, huh? Yeah, I think he's going to be on all our most obnoxious. Know that about it. Shoot, we didn't do tight ends, right? We're jumping into defense now. Oh yeah, we didn't do that. Didn't okay, no, that's cool. It's all good. All good. All good. All right. So D line. All right, who wants to kick it off, guys? You guys go, because I went rogue here. All right, I D. I all-around defensive line. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. All good. All right, D, let me get you defensive line. So, defensive line, I got to start with Reggie White. Yup. Like, he was just phenomenal. Um, there's one play that you have to look up against him against Minnesota, where they sent Chris Carter in motion to come over and block him and the way he threw Chris Carter out the way <laughs> oh man <laughs> and went and sat Warren Moon is one of the most is one of the funniest things you'll ever see because Chris Carter's not a small guy he's not big he's not a small guy right right and, and he just threw him like a rat it's hilarious um, that's great Bruce Smith I think Bruce Smith gets forgotten when we talk about great defensive players um, he was or one of the reasons that the Bills were so successful during the 90s, his, he played so long, right? And to be that good for that long on a defensive line is very hard to do. Mm-hmm. Let me give Bruce Smith his respect. Um, also, when I think about defensive linemen on this Mount Rushmore, I'm going to go with somebody who you might not pick. I'm going to go with Julius Peppers. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, Ju- Julius Peppers, man. When you look at what he was able to do during his career, his size, his speed, his ability to get off that line, it's absolutely nuts. I've been saying that a lot, but when you talk about these guys, all their abilities is just mind-blowing. His are definitely up there. And for my fourth guy, when I talk about defensive lineman, I'm going to take it back and give some respect to the old guy and go with uh, Mean Joe Green. Good job. For, for the fourth guy, because he's one of those guys who really set the position and set up what we see today. Fantastic job, man, out of you. My list is certainly very similar. Reggie White, you cannot leave off. I love how you said Bruce Smith. He does get overlooked so much. All-time sack leader, don't forget it. Bruce Smith was a monster. Four Super Bowls in a row. Yeah, they didn't win none of them, but what can he do? He ain't a whole team. So I'm with you on Bruce Smith. I'm with you on Reggie White. I am with you on Mr. Coca-Cola, Mean Joe Green. And I'm going to bring it back even further, dog. I'm going Deacon Jones because he would have the most sacks in NFL history if they were counting them of the freaking things, all right? Deacon Jones was a beast, an absolute monster, and he can sack the hell out of anybody right now. That man is a man, all right? (laughs) So those are my four, Reggie, Mean Joe, Deacon, and Bruce Smith. All right, so Nikki, let me ask: Do you want us to go through the linebackers and D backs, or you want you want us to tell the stories now? Sure, no, go ahead. Okay, all right, all right, Damien. Uh, let me get your linebackers, brother. So linebackers, you got to start with LT. Fair enough. Like you got to start with Lawrence yeah. Taylor. So I know Nikki's gonna like that. Yeah, uh, Lawrence, <laughs> Lawrence Taylor. I'm gonna like that. He was an absolute monster. He the fact that. People were like office alignment that talk about playing against him. Still to this day, talk about the fear they had of Lawrence Taylor. Absolutely phenomenal. Somebody who could go in the end and rush the passer, play in coverage. Just might be an argument for best football player of all time. Yeah. It's kind of like fighting Mike Tyson. It really is. 
It's like get, yeah. you're out in one second. You're gone. You're out. <laughs> Definitely. That, that's a very good. That's a very good comparison. Um, for my second linebacker, I got to go with Ray Lewis. Nice. All yeah, with you, him. When you think about the best defenses of all time, there's usually two to three Baltimore Ravens teams involved in that conversation. Yep. Yep. And Ray all Lewis. because of Ray Lewis. Yeah, Ray Lewis is the anchor of that defense. And the fact that, you know, 2000 Ravens, I had the 2000 Ravens as the greatest defense of all time. And he's definitely the, the main part of that. Also, 2006 is a year that gets overlooked because they didn't win that year. That defense was also insane. And, of course, the second time they went around and won the Super Bowl, he was a big anchor of that as well. So I got Ray Lewis. I'm going to also have to go with, I'm going to go just to say out. Nice. Okay, good. Good, well, I like it. He was somebody who, for a long time, for those San Diego teams, just racked up crazy stats. You know, he was the main part of them getting to the Super Bowl when they did. They got demolished when they got there, but that wasn't on him. Uh, he was somebody who, his his range of going side to side, stopping the run, defending the pass, was, was far none. So, Junior Seau. And then for my fourth guy, I'm going to go Derek Thomas. Nice. Uh, he's somebody who is thought of more as a rusher, but he was a linebacker. And still to this day holds the record for a sack from the game. Um, you know, unfortunately, his career got cut short and his life got cut short. But he's somebody who, when he played, man, he's one of those guys who put fear in your heart. So I got Ray Lewis, Lawrence Taylor, Junior Sayar, and Derek Thomas on my linebacker and my rush one. You know what? That's a great list. And I got a lot of the same guys you did. Um, I thought about Junior Seau. I was going to put him in there. Um, I thought about Mike Singletary. I was going to put him in there. But ultimately, I went with the greatest middle linebacker of all time, who's Ray Lewis. No doubt. He was always around the ball. Lawrence Taylor is somebody who will just flat out break you in half. And he's a monster. Derek Thomas. I'm so happy you said that. We can never forget about how great that guy was. He had seven sacks in one game. You find another guy who could do that, and I'll bow at his feet. Derek Thomas was phenomenal. The fourth guy I went with, because he was such an anchor to four championship defenses, was Jack Lambert at middle linebacker. Have I, have I seen him play a whole lot? No. But the clips and what I've read and the stats, Jack Lambert was all that and then some, except for a few teeth. So, uh, yeah, th- those four guys right there, I'll, t- I'll take them. I'll take them right there. And I, I know Nikki's loving this right now with Lawrence. She probably wants Harry Carson back there and the other giant linebackers, too. <laughs> I also want to throw in just an honorable mention, Derek Brooks. Oh, yes, yes. He cool. was an absolute monster who does not get mentioned enough when we talk about the greats. Derek Brooks, man, those, the reason those 2002 Tampa Bay Bucks so good was because of him. You know what else I'm going to throw out? I'm going to throw out, even though he just retired, Lou Keekley. Had he kept playing, he could have gone into the Hall of Fame. This guy was great. No doubt. Uh, we need more room on the mountain now. You guys are up to like six. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to build another one in North Dakota instead. All right, let's do the DBs. DBs, which encompasses um, whether it's uh, uh, excuse me, a uh, cornerback or a safety, correct? Yes. Okay, great. All right, here's mine. Uh Mr. Nine Fingers himself, Ronnie Lott. Deion Sanders, no doubt about it, can cover anything in the world better than a blanket. Troy Palomalu, who was one of my favorite players to ever watch. That guy jumping over the line of scrimmage and making a sack when when the guy says, I mean, come on, nobody can do that. So Palomalu, his intelligence, his physicality, he was one of the best safeties I've ever seen. 
Ronnie Lott, hard hitter, Deion Sanders, he offense, defense, whatever, but you cannot throw the ball on him. And the last guy I went to was a little old school, but he definitely belongs on Matt Rushmore, in my opinion, and that's Mel Blunt. Going back in the day a little bit. So you got to have a little back in the day, guys, the ones who were able to chop your head off when a ball was coming near you, and Mel Blunt certainly did that. He busted people up. So those are my four right there on the DBs, brother. Who do you got? That's a great list. Uh, I went with Deion Sanders. Uh, he's probably my favorite player of all time. You know, he's the reason I played cornerback for flag football. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't tackle him. I was a different, I was a decent cover guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I right with Deion Sanders. Um, I also went with Ed Reed. Nice. His, his coverability and the way that other quarterbacks talk about him. Like when you hear Peyton Manning and Tom Brady talk about Ed Reed and how they just had to know where he was at all times because he was so great at deciphering the offensive plays. Like I have Ed Reed, that respect. Um, also, Ronnie Lott. Got to go with Ronnie Lott there. Yeah. His, his ability to hit and cover. A lot of times you have a great cover guy if you're not able to deliver that smash. Ryan Lott was somebody who could do both for you. That's right. Because uh, he started out as a cornerback. And also, I'm going to go with Rod Woodson. Good one. Good. Yeah. Nice. Rod Woodson, his ability to play cornerback and safety like, yep. on his career, that versatility is something that's major. And he was able to get interceptions along with being a good tackle guy. So for me, Dion, Ed Reed, Ronnie Lott, Yeah, I went a little bit with uh, Ed Reed and Troy Palomalo back and forth. To me, they're pretty much interchangeable. So I I just lead it toward the side of Palomalo a little bit, uh, just because I thought he maybe did a little tiny bit more. But Ed Reed, yeah, I wouldn't kick him off my Mount Rushmore. No doubt. One of my favorite players to watch. 109-yard interception return for a touchdown. Yeah, he did that. Nikki, give me your defense, girl. Let me know who you got running your D. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, I mean, just think of like the crazy talent on like all these defensive greats. So I just thought, well, let me get my Mount Rushmore. And I mean, just as a side note, I feel like you cannot write the history of the NFL without talking about the great Ravens defenses that they always have. So Absolutely. obviously, Ray Lewis, Lawrence Taylor, Deion Sanders, and this is probably going to shock a lot of people, but Brian Dawkins. Ooh, wow. I didn't see that coming, and that's not no. bad. God, what a nightmare he is. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was telling Teague last week. I'm like, yo, you kept busting up my Niners, whether you're on the Cowboys or Green Bay. So I don't like you very much, but let's talk. I'm with you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that's oh, my man. four. And then I did a coach's one if you guys want to. Yeah, let me hear it. Definitely. Bill Walsh, dad or girl, way to go. I like it. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's a really good That's right That's a great list. You know, of course, John Payton being there has nothing to do with my opinion of liking the Mount Rushmore. Oh, no, no, of course not. <laughs> no, I had nothing to do with it at all. No, there's no bias over here. What are you kidding me? No, none at all. <laughs> yeah, but I'm wish. you know, you know, I'm going to tell you a guy who I would throw in there, to be honest, and he hasn't had always the best team, but he's made the best out of everything. Now, I ain't ready to put him on Mount Rushmore yet. But Mike Tomlin may end up there someday. I love that guy. I think oh, he's yeah. great. 
Yeah, he's a really great coach. He's a and his players love him. They adore the guy, and he, he's fantastic. If there's, a, if there's a coach in the NFL I want to play for, it would be him. All right, nice listen, Nikki. I like that. I like that. All right, so we got a couple more before we uh, jump on out of here for our Sunday. We got. Uh, you guys got your most obnoxious list. Oh boy, do I got it! I can't wait. Let's <laughs> rock and roll, <laughs> Nikki. You want to kick us off? Sure. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> as much as we we all appreciate Deion Sanders for his greatness, the showboating Sanders could be a little obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, a little bit. I think that Cam Newton can be, but I do realize that that's just him. But he can be a, a little obnoxious. I had him in there um, too. And then I, I kind of have a tie. Uh, I'd have Tiki Barber on there, okay? I'm not going to surprise anybody at all. And I know that Odell Beckham can be obnoxious for a lot of people. Some of it I don't mind. It's entertaining. Some of it is a little Mm diva-ish, but that's just him. Shoot, man. OBJ was the first one on my list. I'll run through mine quick, too. (laughs) And and I like it. He's right up, you know, with the sideline antics and marrying a goalpost or whatever it was and his off-the-field nonsense. Yeah, that guy's got diva written all over him. Another guy I'm not too fond of is Jalen Ramsey. I mean, I know you're a great player, but, dude, keep your freaking mouth shut, all right, and try to get things done behind closed doors. You already said Terrell Owens with his stupid push-ups and next question, and Crocodile is my quarterback. I love my quarterback. <laughs> shut the hell up, man. Yeah, love your quarterback. You threw every one of them under the bus, you jerk. Here's another one. John McEnroe yelling at umpires all the freaking time. Are you kidding? This guy was so obnoxious. He, calling the calling the umpires, you jerk! Don't you see the line? Freaking nut job that he was. I had Cam Newton on there, too. And, you know, another guy who I love his game, Aaron Rodgers. I'm with you on that one. That guy is not somebody I want to go to a state farm with or even get a burger with. Nothing like that. It, it, you just go play ball, bro. Do, do your thing. And I have a question about Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love I want to try to get to later if we have enough time. Uh, let me give you a couple of more real quick. Never been a fan of Phillip Rivers. He seems to – he just seems to yell too much at his teammates on the field, and that just rubs me the wrong way. I don't like his facial expressions and his body language. And the other, he's yelling at his 10 kids all the time. Yeah, <laughs> right. He needs practice for home, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I got a few more. I threw in two other cornerbacks. Uh, you know, my person alone, and he wasn't at one point. So Richard Sherman, he don't know when to shut up and stop spitting in Aaron Andrews' face. And then there's Josh Norman, who talks more smack than anybody on the planet. So those are my guys, Damien and Nikki. Damien, who do you got? So I definitely agree with a lot of you guys on T.O. He's definitely somebody who I don't think he's a bad guy. Seeing him, you know, post career, right? But he definitely has very obnoxious moments, and he's on the list. Oh, he's on the Mount Rushmore. Forget the list. He's on the Mount Rushmore, man. <laughs> yeah, he's on the Mount Rushmore. Deion <laughs> uh, Sanders, you know, he had a, a whole music video. Somebody's <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you got to put Deion Sanders on there. You know, having the chains and yep. the story about him showing up to the combine wearing a full like warm up suit with the chains on. Like, <laughs> Nice one. That's a good one. I like that. That's a good one. That's a good one. 
That's right. That's right. <laughs> and he complains about this call and gets a tech. Obviously, you poke this man in the eye, and not just poke, like your finger went deep in this man's eye to the point where he, the next day he had a black eye. And you complain about this call? Really? Right. Ridiculous. Uh, that guy <laughs> gets on my nerves. Um, getting back to getting back to football, got to throw Chad Ocho Seco in there. Nice one. <laughs> Definitely. First of all, change your name to 85 instead of 85. That was a good one, too. I like that, that Ryan Leaf right there. I'm going to throw one more on there, which everybody appears to love him, but maybe hate him a little bit. Michael Jordan's obnoxious, man. I'm putting him on the freaking list also. <laughs> He's obnoxious, all right? He, he just is. That's it. That's, I can think of a lot of different words, some four-letter ones, but uh, he's obnoxious. There ain't no doubt about it. <laughs> he really is, man. Shoot. Guys, we got five minutes left in this segment. Should we hit one more quick topic, or should we come back? What do you think? All right, cool. All right, excellent. Let's see. Yep, you see see how I did that? I'm a professional, Damien. You know how I do. (laughs) I love you guys. These are my peeps, man. I love them. Damien and Nikki, Jason Fearman here. Guys, we'll be back. One more quick commercial break, and then we're going to get into the last dance, and then I'll try to learn English after that. All right? We'll be back very soon. All right, everyone, we are back, third and three in the house, Damian, Nikki, and me. Here we go. We've been talking uh, some serious issues, some fun issues, and now we're going to get into a dancing issue, and that would be the last one by the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan. We didn't get a chance to talk about this last week. That's all right. We're going to talk about it right now. It's still hot and heavy on everybody's mind. A lot of people said it was the best documentary they ever seen. To me, yeah, it was a good documentary, but I wasn't so fond of the way it was put together. Aside from that, let's go through some of the notes that we got. Let me give you one real quick, which is pretty obvious. Jordan is a jerk. He always had been. He bullied his teammates. He bullied other players. But you know what? It worked for him. Now, his teammates, his former teammates may still not like him, but they got six championships. Some got three out of it. May not have loved the way it was done. But I'll tell you right now, Michael Jordan, other than winning, is not a guy I'd want to play with, Nikki. You guys almost feel like I kind of expected him to come off like a jerk because I feel like the great ones just are. That's a good point. Do you think Kobe was like the nicest guy? I mean, no. Like, but do you, I mean, do you guys think that? I feel like the great ones, the great coaches, the great athletes. I feel like they kind of are jerks. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. That a lot of them do come off that way. It's very rare 
to be the Magic Johnson type, where you have to, you know, the smiling, you know, the nice guy who makes everybody laugh. Right. With, you know, winning five championships. Right. It's very hard to do that. That's very true. That's a good point. That's a really good point. It's it's tough to do that. It, it really is. And yeah, it was, it was hard to find. Everybody respected Michael Jordan, but at the same time, it was just tough. And I, I don't like Damian the way that he would air out everybody's dirty laundry, not just during the documentary, but I remember a specific part when they're on the plane, they're playing cards and Scotty Burrell is right next to him. And he's like yelling in the camera, yo, Scotty, you, uh, to Scotty Burrell's parents. You know, your kid went out last night. He didn't come home. You know, who knows what he's doing? Like, what are you doing, Jordan? Come on, man. And Burrell's like, yo, M, M, come on, stop. My, my parents are watching this. And he just keeps on going because he thinks he's God. That's what it is. For me, I thought that part was more than joking because at that time, they didn't even know if they were ever going to use the footage. Okay, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I thought that at that point, he was just giving Scott Burrell a hard time. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, trying to tell him like to calm down on a party and but you know they picked on him all the time. Uh, Jordan picked on him all year long. All year long. He did. Now, he definitely was, like, he tweeted Scott Burrell. He was really hard on Scott Burrell. For me, that was kind of foreshadowing because he thought that Scott Burrell was better than he was. So he was, that was his way of trying to push Scott Burrell. And Scott Burrell was just okay. He was just an okay role player. Right. He's going to provide you a few points a game. He'll have a point, a game here and there where he'll go off. But he wasn't much more than that. And that foreshadows to him being a hardwood GM and owner, where he's not able to recognize talent or think that he can get more out of talent than he can. So I thought that was a bit of foreshadowing for his future um, career after playing. That makes sense. Okay, I can dig that. That's pretty well thought out. I like that. I like that. Let me pro- let me propose this one to you guys. We uh we heard we all we all watched it obviously and heard uh well not heard really just watched Jordan laugh when they said that Gary Payton had done a good job on him in the finals and. The numbers show that. So the point of it is, is that, again, Nikki, going back to your point, how cocky and a jerk, he can't even admit that somebody who's the best defensive player in the league didn't even do a decent job on him. Nikki, that was if you saw that, Nikki, if you remember, the guy's named the glove for a reason because he sticks to you like Lou and he did a great job on Jordan. And Mike being the way that he is, he couldn't even admit it, Nikki. No, I, I know. And I get that. But I feel like for him. He almost needed to like keep feeding his own ego to keep his competitive edge. Yep. Like he would lose it if you know he would admit to that. Like I just feel like he was just one big like mental mind fuck to everybody who played with mm. him, all the coaches, all. But I feel like he needed that, and like I thought some of his jokes were funny. Like I'm sarcastic like that, and kind of like poke at somebody a little bit. But, so I didn't think it was all there, but I feel like he's just on another mental level with people. I agree with that. He he really is. It's very hard to get just to that point and evolve to what he was. So, yeah, that's why people called him an alien, Damien, because he just it seemed like he didn't belong on this planet. But, but what do you think about that whole him again, not giving anybody credit at all? He gave a tiny bit of credit to Scottie Pippen uh, during that whole thing. But that was about it. Yeah, I thought he did give a lot of credit to Scotty because he did say that you can't, you shouldn't say my name without saying Scotty because I didn't win any without Scotty Pippen. Mm-hmm. And he, so I think that he does hugely respect Scotty Pippen. He even admitted when Scotty got hurt in that last game of the 98 finals with his back that he was scared. He said that once he saw Scotty tense up and That's saw right. that back injury was really serious, he got scared because he knows how much he needs Scotty to win. That's right. So I think that was somebody, he really does respect Scotty. As far as the Gary Payton part, I thought that hilarious. 
he looked like he wanted to challenge Gary Payton at that moment. I know. <laughs> at, at 55 years old, however old he is now, he wanted to challenge Gary Payton right then and there to go to the court so that he could prove that Gary Payton uh, didn't give him problems. I do agree that Gary Payton, he was the defensive player that year. He yeah. was the only guy at his height to ever win defensive player of the year. You have to give him respect for being a great defender. Like you said, his nickname is The Glove. Like, when you get that nickname, you can give the guy respect and say, okay, you know, he was a good defender, even though Jordan was dealing with some things as far as that was his first season back after his father died. So he did have other things on his mind, as we saw what happened once he did win, and we heard right. how emotional he was, that moment where he was holding the ball after the fourth championship in 96. And on Father's Day. That was, like, really powerful. Yep. So we definitely know that there was other things on his mind, but he could have gave Gary some credit because, okay, yeah, Gary did a decent job on me, but I, as soon as I adjusted, you know, we won, but he could have gave Gary some credit. Yeah, I thought, you know, just get, look, you're retired already, you know, what, 12 years or whatever it's been, you know, give, give a little credit. A few more I wanted to talk about, and I definitely want to get more of your guys' ideas on, on what you saw, but I'm going to tell you one thing that bothered a lot of people, and it didn't bother me one bit. The Pistons walking off after they lost to the Bulls. And I get it. There is sportsmanship. I understand. But I think the reason they did it is because the Celtics did it to them a few years earlier. So they were just kind of like following suit. So I'm not really pissed off at Isaiah Thomas and the rest of the crew for walking off. I get it. It's a moment of defeat. You lost your title championships back to back. And it's gut-wrenching. It's hard. So... Would I have shaken hands if I was the Pistons? Me personally, yes, I would have. But at the same time, I kind of get it, Damian, where they were coming from, especially given what I said, that the Celtics did the same exact thing to them. So what are your thoughts? So with the Celtics, what the story is that at that time, teams, the fans would still rush the floor sometimes, and they were in Detroit, right? So Detroit was winning. Their thoughts were to get off the court before the fans rushed the floor because that was Detroit's first time beating the Celtics and probably getting over that hump. You know, okay. Go crazy. Okay. And that's why they kind of walked off. Good when answer. Detroit, when Chicago beat them, they were in Detroit. So the fans weren't going to storm the court. The fans, you know, were sad to the fact that Chicago finally got over that hump. So for me, I felt like it was very unsportsmanlike to not shake the hand of a big guy on when somebody beats me saying, hey, you got me this time. Respect. I'm going to come back next time. Like, I'm, that's something that really annoys me when I beat somebody and they, they're not able to say, hey, you're the better guy this time, shake hands, come back next time. Even if you felt like I got lucky to say, hey, okay, you got me this time, I'll come back next time. So for me, it was, I don't think it should be a big deal 30 years later. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do agree on that part. Like, get over it. But I understand at that time, why they felt that way because they had to go through all the battles, get beat up during the games, right? Like, I understand why the Bulls felt so type of way because they went through all these battles, all these times where they were getting beat up during the games, and we finally toughened up enough to beat you guys. You guys should give us the respect for saying, okay, respect that you guys are finally able to get over the top. That is very, very fair and very well thought out, and I happen to agree with, with that certain statement. Like I said, I would have personally shaken hands. I did understand what they did, but you put it into better perspective for me. Again, with the, the crowd rushing the court, and you know, I don't know if that was their MO, if that's what they were thinking at the time, or if they just wanted to be jerks, but I get it. And that, that, that makes sense, Damien. I like that. I like that. Nikki, what are your thoughts about the Pistons walking off, and did it bother you, or were you just like bad sportsmanship? What were your thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, don't be a punk. Shake hands. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it's, I don't know, I grew up playing sports, so, I, you know, you respect the game, respect the sport, you shake hands. Do I think you should hold a grudge all this time later and take it to the, no, that, that is so ridiculous, but, yeah, it's like you guys said, shake hands, you know, be, be respectful and, and move on. I agree. I agree. That's what should have happened, but unfortunately it didn't. And here we go with stories later, which added a little feud to the fire for the dream team, ladies and gentlemen. So stories floating about that Michael Jordan didn't want Isaiah Thomas on the dream team. He denied it. But then it comes out about nine years ago in an interview that he said, yeah, I don't want Isaiah on the team. If he does, if he plays, I'm out. So I know that a lot of other people had an issue with Isaiah Thomas, and I understand that. And I also understand that Chuck Daly, his head coach for the Pistons, apparently said he didn't want him on the team either. But how can you deny Isaiah Thomas, who is one of the best point guards that ever lived, top three, to not be on that team? Don't give me age because Larry Bird and Magic Johnson were on that team also. So the way I see it, it was probably a lot of MJ saying, nope, I ain't playing with that guy. And who do you think they're going to go with, Jordan or Isaiah Thomas? Duh, it's a no-brainer. So that is a little caddy on Jordan's part, Damian, I think a little bit. Um, I get not you're a team. You want to play with the people that you like and you trust and all that. I get it. But to slight a Hall of Famer and one of the best point guards that ever lived to go to the Olympics and demolish all these other countries like we did, I, I feel for him in that way. <clears throat> yeah, no, I definitely agree with you there. Isaiah Thomas should have been on that team. Um, John Stockton is an awesome point guard. You know, there's a reason why he's the all-time leader in assistant steals, but he's not Isaiah Thomas. Nope, he's not. And Isaiah Thomas, at that time, was already 11-time or 12-time All-Star, two-time champion. So this is before John Stockton even made it to the finals, right? Correct. So at that point, there's no argument to who's the better guy. you got to go with Isaiah Thomas, or you go with Isaiah Thomas over Chris Mullen. Chris Mullen, good player, but he's not holding a candle to Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, or um, even over... Also, <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry, Damon. I was going to say, even over Christian Leitner, who hadn't played an NBA game yet. Yeah, that's what I was about to go. I don't understand why they were so adamant on having one college player. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on your thunder, bro. I apologize. I'm sorry. No, you're good. So, yeah, I wasn't... I didn't understand why they were so adamant on having one college player when it's a dream team. You're already saying this is going to be the 12 best guys. Right. So why not just take the 12 best guys that are professionals and put them on this team, right? And even if you don't pick Isaiah, that gives room for someone else who could have been on that team like Dominic Wilkins. Good point. So, like, for Christian Leitner to be on that team, doesn't even look right now when they do, like, appearances and you see Christian Leitner in the back amongst all these great players. Right. It's just, like, this one guy who doesn't fit. Right, so yep. It, <laughs> it's something that I didn't understand. And if you're going to go with one college guy, why not go with the guy who, I understand Christian Leitner was awesome in college, and he has an argument for the greatest college player of all time. But when it comes to translating to the pros, there's a reason why Shaq was picking number one that year. Mm. So why not go with Shaq, mm. who we knew who was going to be a great pro. He was a great pro right away. Like, came in averaging 25 and 12 round the game. So I we like knew that. What Shaq was going to be right away. Christian Leitner, we weren't sure if he was going to be a great pro. And he turned out just to be okay. So Shaq. for me, you could have went with Shaq if you want to go to college player or pick another pro player who could have been Isaiah or Dominique Wilkins. But I do agree with you that that was very petty on Michael Jordan and other players as well. I don't think it was just Mike. 
I could picture Carl Malone didn't really like Isaiah Thomas either. For sure. I could he didn't want him on there. Some other guys. So, but I do think Isaiah deserved that spot. And all this time later, you see how impactful that team was. That could be something that probably still bothers Isaiah to this day. That's very well said, man. Makes a whole freaking lot of sense. No doubt. Yep. And Isaiah, like I said, Nikki and Damian said, didn't have a lot of friends around there, but certainly deserved to be on the team given his accolades and everything that Damian had went over. So I guess maybe try to put yourself in that position, Nikki, a little bit. You know, you got guys, you know, who don't really want you around, but yet you deserve to be on the team. And it seems like everybody's against you. That's a tough situation, and if Michael Jordan is a say-all, be-all, and again, we, Damian, we agree, it's not just him, Carl Malone, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe others, Larry Bird, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm losing my voice over here, getting all choked up. Um, <laughs> it's just a dream team, relax. <laughs> I know, I know, really, jeez. But, um, I mean, again, given Isaiah Thomas's talent, um, all things aside, he really should have been there and deserved to be there for everything he had done for the NBA and then some, Nikki. Right. Oh, God forbid. Yeah. <laughs> God forbid. That's a good point, Nikki. That's a very good point as well. You nailed that yeah, one. Like, I just kind of watched it back and I'm like, wow, like it's just, I don't know, so crazy. I mean, people still are standing in line, you know, waiting for the new Jordans. I mean, yep. it's just, it was kind of crazy to watch back because, like, I don't know, I was probably like seven, eight, nine. So now I'm watching it, you know in my 30s, and you just kind of get a different perspective on it, everything. And, and Nikki, I thought that was a wonderful point, how in 1992, that dream team really did put the NBA on the map, and you all of a sudden, you started seeing European players fly into the NBA like it was nothing, so that's a fantastic point. They really did globalize the sport, so I, I like that out of you. Very good point. Um, let me see if I can get one more. Oh, you know what I wanted to say to you, Damien, when you were talking about college players? I thought Grant Hill may have been a good guy to stick in there. Yeah, Grant Hill, I think, still had like another year because I think he came into the league the next year. Oh, I'm off a year? Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, so that's why I think he, he wasn't on that squad. But gotcha. he definitely probably should have been on the next team, the Dream Team 2. Yeah, when you talk about a guy who could have been Hall of Fame all over him if it wasn't for injuries, that's Grant Hill right there. He had it all. He was a great player. Loved watching him play. He was awesome. Yeah, he's one of, he's one of my favorite players of all time. I believe he was... A poor man, LeBron James. When you look at what he was able to do, yeah, uh, he was skinnier and wasn't as big as LeBron, but he had the same versatility. And he didn't shoot the threes because of that time. But like if he played today, he'll be a, a much better three point shooter. And he had the great ability to pass and rebound. So I definitely agree with you there. All right, I dig it. I dig it. All right, we finally got to the last dance. I'm happy about that. I love it. Wait, you guys missed the biggest point. Oh, how fire is that soundtrack? And just so you guys know. <laughs> 
you can download it on Spotify. I went for my run the other day and I found it. I was like, oh yeah, uh, the jams are pumping. I'm like, this soundtrack is fire. They did a great job. I love it. Spotify, pay her. She just she just hit you up. Spotify, pay Nikki right now. Give us some money. <laughs> I'm on the family plan. I'd like one free extra. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that soundtrack was awesome. My favorite part probably was when I played... Um, I'm bad by LL Cool J when it was showing the 63 point game in the playoffs. Yes. I thought it just went so perfectly. Yes. Oh, man. There, there was so many great things about it. Just reliving that in front people who, like us, who were lucky enough to see him play, especially at his peak. Oh, man. It, it really was great. Brings you back. It brings you back. But remember how we all said, oh, Michael Jordan's out of the NBA now. What the hell are we going to do? Well, in comes LeBron James. He'll be out in a couple of years. What the hell are we going to do? We got Giannis. We got Luca. We got this basketball ain't going nowhere, man. It's just going to keep going up and up because the athletes in this sport are incredible, are incredible. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they're doing with the uh, postseason, quote unquote, and how they finish out the year over here. It'll be very interesting. But before we close out, let me ask you, Nikki, would you like to see um, East first West in this kind of makeshift playoff that we're getting together? Or would you like to see them maybe group the top 16 have one play 16 to 15, kind of like a March Madness thing. Oh, man. My March Madness thing might be fun because I feel like we missed out on that. Right? <laughs> we didn't get down yeah. with it. Um, yeah, no, you know what? It, to me, I am so starved for sports and watching last dance. I'm like, damn, I miss basketball. I actually really don't care how they do it. I just want to see it. Um, so, yeah, I, it doesn't matter to me. I just want some damn sports other than, uh, what do they have? The, I'm not a NASCAR person. Oh, forget it. Korean uh, baseball. So, I, yeah, I <laughs> to see somebody. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Damien, it's you before we get out of here, man. What do you think? I do want, like, the NBA to come back and be the NBA, right? I understand that we got to, we didn't get to get March Madness this year. But the NBA is professional for a reason. Like, that's the reason why you have the series, because you want to see the best teams win and see truly who's the best. Can you imagine if they do, like, a March Madness type thing and the Grizzlies beat the Lakers? Oh, my God. Right? Who knows? The freaking Raptors will probably win it again with the way things are going, for God's sake. <laughs> Jeez, man. For me, I wouldn't want to see a champion that way because for the rest of the time, people will say, oh, that champion doesn't really count. They won that year when they did the crazy March Madness thing. Yeah. So I want them to have a real playoff so that there's no asterisk next to this champion this year. Even like this champion, honestly, if they do a regular playoff format, but they do it in some bubble, it'll be more impressive for whoever wins because there's no home court advantage. That makes sense. Whoever wins should get even bonus points as their legacy because they were able to win during this crazy year. Hmm. I could dig that. I like that. I like that. That's not bad. That's not bad. Well, time will tell, guys. Time will tell. I can't wait. This has been an awesome show. It felt like it was five minutes. We got a buck and a half over here. I could talk to you guys all day long. We have so many topics we didn't even get to. Next Sunday, we definitely will. But thank God we got the last dance in. Finally. Beautiful, beautiful. If we don't have any closing statements, we're going to enjoy our Sunday. Try to get outside a little bit if the weather is nice. And we'll be back next Sunday, third and three, doing our thing. Damien, tell everybody what's going on with you, buddy. Oh, man. I'm just so happy to be a part of this awesome show, third and three. I also have my own podcast called The Real Deal with Damien Adams. I'm doing a series right now where I'm looking back at old NFL drafts and grading those. I'm definitely going to hit you guys up to be a part of that series. 
I definitely want to have Nikki on the 2004 episode with Eli Manning. Thank you very much. I'll definitely be hitting you guys up for that. And I want to have my man Jason on for the 2005 episode with Alex Smith and Aaron Ooh, I love so, it. Love it. Yeah, I'll definitely be in touch with you guys to have you on. Go ahead. If you love this show, you definitely will love my show as well. So go ahead and subscribe to The Real Deal with Damian Adams. Develop on all podcast platforms and follow me at The Real Deal, WDA, on all social media platforms except for TikTok. That's why I'm too old for TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, D. Well done. And Nikki, I know you're not the biggest tweeter in the world, but people love you. So make sure they can tweet at you. Where are you? Instagram poster, but you can definitely find me on Twitter. Oh, that's okay. Nick9384. And listen, just a little aside, I know this is like crazy time for everybody. So maybe is having a bad day. Like I was thankful to have you guys. Um, I, I, you guys miss out. It's a great group chat to be in. So if anybody's having a tough day, hit me up. Judgment-free zone, willing to talk, Spotify, slide into my DMs because I want one more free account would be great. I'll keep shouting you out. (laughs) (laughs) Nikki, bravo on that. Excellent, excellent. I kind of did the same thing on Facebook and other media outlets being a mental health counselor and a school, uh, you know, a school teacher. Whatever I can do to help anybody out, man. You guys hear me right now? DM me. I'll give you my phone number. If you want to just yell on the phone and scream because you're going crazy, I'll listen to you. No problem. It's tough for everybody. But hopefully we gave you guys an hour and a half of some fun, some laughs, some knowledge. I had a great time. Damian, Nikki, I love you guys. You're the best. Couldn't do it without you. It's impossible. Impossible. Love you too, man. So until then, my friends, let's enjoy our day. Let's stay safe. Let's stay healthy and hope that sports comes back soon. And we will be back soon next week. A lot more topics to go through. And who the hell knows what's going to happen that we're going to talk about this week. Maybe Dak gets a, gets a, finally gets a contract. We'll see. Who knows what will happen. So plenty more to go over next time. Third and three podcast for Damian and Nikki. I am Jason Fearman. We are out for now. God bless.